Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you, Dr. Richard Gallagher with us with his latest book, Demonic Foes. Richard, let's get into this case of Julia, the high priestess, and uh, see uh, how you handle this thing. Well, again, I want to emphasize that uh, Julia, as all these cases, are not patients of mine. They're just people that I've consulted uh, upon, mostly for clergy. And it's a pseudonym. So anyway, uh, she was described uh, not only to me with independent evidence that she was a member of a rare uh, satanic cult, which is rare, uh, in my opinion. And but she was also described by the two exorcists. She worked with two exorcists who at the time were very prominent and among the few really official exorcists in the United States. Uh, they became friends of mine. They took me to a lot of different cases. That's part of the reason I had so much experience at that point. And they described uh, Julia, uh, these very experienced guys, as uh, the most dramatic possession they had ever seen in their own lives. So um, somewhat uh, annoyingly to me, uh, I was introduced to her to her. Uh, the morning after something strange happened in my house, I was in my bedroom with my wife and we had two cats uh, uh, who would lie on the bed at night and they were fairly well behaved and placid cats and they just went berserk and they started clawing and scratching each other. I thought it was like a fight to the death and we had to separate them and we kind of looked at each other, you know, what got into them. So the next morning, uh, unannounced, uh, I get a uh, ring on, on the doorbell of my house, and uh, this uh, priest, uh, who I had worked on a couple of less serious cases, uh, came to my door with <laughs> with Julia. <laughs> I, I couldn't believe that he would bring this woman to my house, but he told me later, uh, as he apologized, he said, well, <laughs> I really I really wanted to keep things moving uh, because, uh, you know, she has some ambivalence. I wanted to introduce you to her as soon as possible. Subsequently, I had many conversations with Julia, although, again, I didn't treat her. Um, so long story short, I go to the door and I open the door and there is this uh, priest exorcist and Julia standing there. And uh, Julia looks me in the eye and says, uh, hi, uh, Dr. Gallagher. Nice to meet you. And by the way, never met this woman before. She says, by the way, how did you like those cats last night? Whoa. Uh, well, well, I was pretty amazed. And there there were many, many remarkable incidents working with this woman because she was an outright devil worshiper. Did, again, she, did she act evil as far as you could tell? Well, she was a little nasty. I mean, she always treated me. I think she respected me as a physician. She was nasty to the priest. Not exactly sure why they put up with it, but, you know, they were good-hearted souls. Mm-hmm. And um, she definitely had done some grisly stuff in her life, which I don't really want to get into entirely. Mm, but, I understand. Uh, you know, it, 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 it involves some, some things that would be shocking to most people and were to me. Um, so I was asked, not so much to diagnose her, and the official diagnosis is made by the exorcist anyway, 
But even though I have obviously a diagnostic impression, I became quickly convinced that she was uh, possessed. Her case went so beyond the psychiatric. An example of that was uh, the priest and I were driving in the car, talking to each other about where he was going to schedule, when and where he was going to schedule the exorcism. And Julia, um, who was a woman in her 30s, by the way, um, she was in the back seat of the car. And as we're chatting, all of a sudden, we hear this voice come out of her. She was obviously in some kind of a, a trance. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not going to try to imitate the voice, but it... One of those guttural sounds, right? It was guttural. It was raspy. Uh, she... It was clearly using the vocal cords. I mean, it didn't feel like a disembodied voice, but all of a sudden, uh, the voice says... Uh, uh, this woman is ours. I told you, you effing priest, leave her alone. You know, you'll be sorry. And, you know, I looked to the uh, the priest and, you know, he sort of looked at me like, see what we're dealing with, Rich. This was clearly not multiple personality or something. We can get into that. Yeah, yeah and, and, I was going to ask and, you about that. And a little bit later, um, uh, this went on for about five minutes. A little bit later, she said something that I always remembered. She said, I said to leave leave her alone. She's ours, and uh, uh, you're, a, you're a stupid monkey priest. I always was struck by that phrase because these intelligence, these, these entities, these intelligences, these creatures, uh, we believe are fallen angels, and we believe that uh, as Catholics, they're very highly intelligent, much more intelligent than than human beings. And I always thought, I always thought, even though this guy was a quite a quite a scholarly, intelligent man, that to them, the demons, um, which I felt we were dealing with, uh, were just stupid animals. You know, we're like stupid evolved monkeys. God, you must have freaked out with that sound. Well, I had heard I had heard a few cases before. This was not the first possession case I had, but it was pretty dramatic. I'll tell you when I did freak out. Uh, it's the only time in my life where literally the hair in the back of my uh, neck <laughs> went up. I could <laughs> feel it. Um, I was on the phone with the priest a couple of weeks later, and he was trying to schedule an exorcism. I never actually. I've been to scores of exorcisms in my life, but I never actually. Uh, was able to go to hers. Uh, you know, I've always been a fairly busy professional guy. So we're talking about when the exorcism is going to be, and I'm telling him, you know, look, uh, Father Jacques, that's what I call him in the book. Um, uh, I said, I, I really can't make it. And we're on a landline, and all of a sudden that same voice, that same voice that I heard come out of her, comes in over the phone line. Now, this was a landline. It wasn't a cell phone. Mm-hmm. We knew where the woman was because she had gone home. She was about a thousand miles away, literally. We knew that. And it said the same thing. Jeez. Didn't we say to leave her alone, you stupid priest, you epping idiot? You know, it went on with, uh, it went on about, you know, about 30 seconds in this case. And, you know, that was spooky. I mean, um, and I said to the priest, I said, did you hear that? He's, he was somewhat of a phlegmatic guy. And uh, he said, uh, 
uh, yeah, Rich, uh, you know. This, and, you know. and obviously, with her being a thousand miles away, it wasn't her breaking in on the phone line or anything. No, it was, it was the evil spirit. Now, how, how do you know as a psychiatrist, doctor, that this person isn't mentally imbalanced as opposed to demonically possessed? How do you distinguish well, that? Well, I, first of all, I got to know her very well, and I knew she, I knew she was mentally healthy. In fact, she was a pretty thoughtful, intelligent person. Was she nice when she wasn't in that mode? Well, I won't say exactly. I, I won't exactly describe her as a nice person uh, in her normal state, because people go in and out of these possession states. In her normal state, I mean, she certainly was pleasant enough to me and cooperative enough to me. She always told me, I'll tell you the truth, Dr. Gallagher, who seemed to be a nice guy. In fact, I even have a letter to that effect, effect from her. Um, but to, to get to your question, people think sometimes that these cases, we just sort of intuit or, you know, we get a, we get a spiritual sense about them. Uh, no, that's, that's not at least the way most good Christian exorcist work, uh, certainly in the Catholic Church, there's very rigorous criteria. In fact, the, the exorcist is not only supposed to be uh, a holy man and uh, not prone to hysteria, but is also supposed to be very knowledgeable. And the criteria are quite rigorous. I mean, not only do you have this voice emerging from them uh, in the most serious cases, and this stuff exists on a continuum, in the most serious cases, uh, the consciousness is submerged so that, for instance, in the car, Julia had no idea that this voice came out of her. I was going to ask you that. They're not aware of it, are they? Well, again, there's an exception to every rule. Uh, there are exceptions where the person is aware of the voice taking them over. It's it's almost like watching themselves in a movie, they say. Mm -hmm. But in, in the worst cases... The demon has a very strong hold on the person, and the the voice manifests itself, and the person doesn't doesn't remember it. Uh, and this was the case with her. Uh, so you need this kind of malevolent personality emerging, which is quite nasty, quite hateful, uh, expresses tremendous uh, repugnance towards religion or. Human beings in general, for that matter. Have they ever tried to hurt you or the exorcist during these episodes? I, I've had some threats, but they 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 tend to focus on the exorcist, and and when they're restrained during an exorcism, because otherwise they would run away. They would either run away or they would um, attack the exorcist. Interesting. But, but to, finish, to finish the point about the criteria, so. You have to have this evidence of a nasty entity taking over the consciousness, but you also have to have some signs which, you know, the modern term is, 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 is paranormal. I don't particularly like that term. It's a modern term. Uh, it's about phenomena that used to be called, you know, non-material non mm -hmm. or uh, Super, spiritual. Supernatural. And supernatural or diabolic one or the other, and you have to have those criteria, even in the, the 1614 ritual uh, of the Catholic Church called the Roman ritual, it, it suggests strong signs such as 
superhuman strength, knowledge of hidden things. And, and for instance, uh, uh, Julia had all kinds of knowledge of things she could not otherwise know. She knew how a lot of people died. And in fact, she told me, uh, oh, your mother died of ovarian cancer. Now, you know, she had no way of knowing that. But she would have all kinds of hidden knowledge like that. Uh, and then you also ha- you also will see the individual, not only superhuman strength, but speaking in foreign languages. And these creatures are very smart. And somebody said, well, how come they always speak Latin? I said, they don't only speak Latin. They speak all languages because they've been observing human beings from the beginning of history. Right. So you have to have these very strict criteria. The exorcist is supposed to have certainty, moral certainty. And uh, that's how they're diagnosed. They're diagnosed with a great deal of rigorous, and I would say scientific, uh, precision. Richard, who opens the door to let them in? How does that happen? Well, there are different there are different reasons. I can tell you, uh, Mr. Nuri, the most common reasons for a, for a for a real possession, and there are there are minor varieties okay. of uh, of, uh, of uh, demonic attacks that are a little bit different and have have varied causes. But the most common thing for a person who gets themselves possessed is that they've had a serious involvement with the occult, dark forces, dark magic, that sort of thing. Ouija board? sometimes in the case of Julia, you know, outright devil worship and Satan. Yeah, okay. What about playing with a Ouija board? Well, again, you know, if if a teenager plays with a Ouija board, I don't think that's a healthy thing to do, but, you know, I don't think you're going to get possessed just because you fooled around with your uh, girlfriends with a Ouija board, you know? Right, right. Um, but the other reason that people, and there is an overlap, but the other reason that people can get possessed, possessed is when they turn to a very serious pursuit of evil. Um, you know, highly um, sociopathic, highly sinful, highly nefarious behavior. Uh, I'll give you an example. I had a guy who was possessed, and uh, he had both of these things, because there's often an overlap between those two things. He was a gangster. He was a violent man. Uh, he was a drug dealer. And um, he turned, his his friends, his compadres, told him to turn to uh, Satan and worship Satan, and he'd become more successful. And that happened for a while. I mean, all these people expect some kind of favor in return. Sure. So he became sort of king of the heap is the word he used. I also describe him, you know, in my book, Demonic Foes. And um, he he then got caught by the police. He got put in prison. Uh, so his life crashed. And the prison chaplain um, discerned that he was possessed and he had the criteria. Did a few exorcisms. It helped, but it didn't completely eliminate the demon. And so he, after he was released from prison, which he was, uh, and his wife described to me that he was speaking Latin and he was levitating uh, from the bed once uh, uh, the, the one of the dioceses uh, dealt with him successfully and he was eventually delivered. But in his case, he had both a turn to evil as well as a turn to... Um, you know, satanic worship. It sounds like these entities 
abandon the person, not necessarily leaving the body, but they abandon them in terms of helping them, you know, get away from the police or helping them, you know, benefit. They, they don't seem to go the full distance with them, do they? Well, it's a snare because they really, they really hate human beings. I mean, in a way, they hate human beings because we have the ability to have a relationship with God and, and we're, you know, we have the image of God in us and we can still, you know, join God, go to heaven, uh, etc. And what they really hate, because they rebelled from God and then they hate God's creatures, human beings who still have this ability to turn to God and to turn to love because they've, they've kind of renounced, um, in my opinion, they've renounced all kind of loving personality um, in their in their own in their own existence because they've rebelled against that they they sort of have turned to themselves and it, as it says in scripture they go to their own place listen to more coast to coast am every weeknight at 1 a.m eastern and go to coast to coast for more